0: Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. For decades, Martha Stewart had forged an identity as the soft spoken, mild mannered queen of domesticity. This image helped make her not just a household name across the world, But it also led to her becoming the country's first female self-made billionaire. Now, of all the scandals that have surrounded her, the biggest controversy of all was her insider trading scandal back in 2001, where Martha Stewart avoided an approximately $50,000 loss, yes, you heard that correctly, billionaire avoiding a $50,000 loss when she sold stock in a pharmaceutical company based on the tip that the CEO was dumping his stock. Now, most people believe that this insider trading was what landed Stewart in prison. That's not the case. Stuart was actually convicted of obstruction of justice. Here today to break down what exactly happened, why nobody ever ever quite remembers it correctly, is our US correspondent, NPR, BBC regular and Sunday Business Post legend, Marion McKeown. Marion, it's brilliant to talk to you. I'm excited about this one. Do
1: you know, this is it's lovely to talk to you as well, Charlotte. And this story to me, the Martha Stewart story from the beginning, right from the beginning of her life to where she is now at 80 years of age, where she has a very lucrative partnership with Snoop Dogg, who who had God knows multiple legal problems of his own, of an entirely different nature. It's just, it's the most fascinating and all-American story that, that, that literally you could not make this one up. So yeah, let's, let's get to the, the legal aspect first of her case. And then let's talk about her background and what brought her there. Because, you know, I do remember talking to several people in America and one of them was a bizarre encounter I had where I spoke with, and, and I'll just preface everything with this, Years and years ago, I was in Nashville and I was chatting with a legendary music producer originally from Sam Phillips Sun Studios, a guy called Jack Clement, who I became very good friends with, who died a couple of years ago, and a brilliant music engineer and producer like Jerry Lee Lewis, all of them, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, uh, Elvis Presley. And he said to me, when you're born poor in America... And he saw this with all of these stars who all were born very poor. He said, you never get over the fear of being poor again. Mm. So he said that if, even if they've got a billion in the bank, if their kids need braces, we'll say for their teeth, they'll do another tour or they'll. Ghost another book or or whatever because they have this terror that the money that they've made, even if it's a billion or or whatever you know, and I mean obviously these guys would be in the tens of millions, and rather than the billion where Martha Stewart was, that they will they will do whatever it is to shave off any potential loss or or dissipation of their fortune, even if it's only a couple of dollars. And this to me. Kind of explains the Martha Stewart thing, which you set up so beautifully. So she grew up one of six children in New Jersey, in a rough place in New Jersey, Nutley, New Jersey, nothing fancy about it. Her dad was a pharmaceutical salesman who was out of work more than he was in work. He was an alcoholic. He was a very abusive man and apparently a very difficult father who would berate and criticize his children. Now, in her, Martha Stewart has reinvented herself many, many, many times. There are a couple of excellent books about her written by very reputable financial journalists, one of which is a guy called Christopher Byron, who wrote a book about the early Martha Stewart days. And, you know, she would say, oh, her father inspired her to say, you can do anything you want, etc. Apparently, she was terrified of him, as were the other children. He terrorized her, as I say, he berated her. But he gave her some kind of a drive to succeed so she grew up in this Really working class area, which was about a million miles from the Upper East Side, where she ended up at the age of twenty-two in, in a penthouse apartment through her marriage. But in the meantime, I say her dad was an embarrassment. He was always drunk when he wasn't drunk. He was he was obnoxious. And in fact, when he was drunk, he was even more obnoxious. He was always unemployed, and they pretended he was away when in fact he wasn't, etc. And her mother was a very put upon. She worked as well, but but she was you know a woman who tried to. Keep keeps the family together, and who had a very unhappy marriage. So let's start from that point there. Mm. Now, Martha Stewart um, got a scholarship to Barnard College in New York. She was super smart. She was also beautiful. And and even at 80, she's still an incredibly good-looking woman. So when she was young, she had this, uh, you know, these Polish roots, Eastern European roots, which, you know, manifest in the the high cheekbones, the blonde hair. You know, she was about five foot nine. And she became a model when she was in her late teens. Now, she, her modeling career, again, was a little overhyped. She said she was a Chanel model. I have looked. I, re- I researched her story back in 2004 or before when, this, when the, the scandal first hit. There was never any evidence for being a Chanel model, but she was a successful model or at least successful enough. To pay her fees at Bernard because there was no way her father could do it. While she was at Bernard, she started off studying chemistry. She then switched to architecture of art and history and sort of a more humanities. And I was advised by somebody who knew her in the Hamptons. And in fact, I met her in the Hamptons once very briefly, and she nearly froze me solid. <laughs> I was just not somebody who had any interest for her whatsoever. But, um, that she believed that that was a way, that was where the rich kids were hanging out more. That was where she'd make wealthy friends. Like the, the wealthy girls from the Upper East Side who went to college back in, in the 60s were studying these kinds of things. So, anyway, she became friendly with the, the, the wealthy set. She married a guy who was from that, um, a guy called Andy Stewart, whose father was a wealthy stockbroker. And so, at the age of 21, she had moved from Nutley, New Jersey, into this beautiful apartment on the Upper East Side, which was paid for by her new husband's father. They were both in their early 20s, a couple of kids. Uh, she was stunning. He was besotted with her apparently, which was something that even after their divorce uh, he continued to be. And so anyway, in, she then had a child. Um, a little, and this is going somewhere. <laughs> so, <by the laughs> oh, way, I trust you. We
0: all trust you. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> um, not just giving her, her social praises, but uh, so she... Um, had a, a, one daughter, Alexis, when she was, again, about 1965 or thereabouts. She was at home with her daughter. She was bored. She was like probably so many women in the 1960s, super talented, super smart, and expected to be just another well-groomed Upper East Side housewife to a wealthy man. So she joined a stockbroking company, which was considered then, like in 1967, unheard of. And her, as I say, her father-in-law was a stockbroker, and she apparently basically badgered and bullied and arm twisted and God knows what him to get her into the stockbroking world. And when she got into it, she was immediately very successful. So the late 1960s were a boom time for stockbrokers. She made plenty of money, but then she was involved. I could never get to the bottom of this. She left the stockbroking world very very quickly, in or around 1973, there were there was talk that she'd been involved in dealings which, maybe through accident or design, where she was afraid they, of of scrutiny, of attracting scrutiny. And I was told by another New York uh, buddy of mine who knew the Stuarts, um, the Andy's, her father's family, that her father-in-law had basically said pressured her to get out, and and that she really was left with no choice. So anyway, at that point, the bear. Market had arrived anyway in the 70s. There was a big recession that lasted for decades. So, even it would have been probably smart for her to get out then because there was no money to be made in Wall Street in the 70s, really. So, anyway, She then she and her husband then bought this old farm in Westport and they did it up. And that was the beginning of Martha Stewart living. Fast forward, she took pictures of this um, and she became a a local caterer for the wealthy in Connecticut, etc. And parlayed that into within about a decade or certainly 15 years, as you say, the first American Self made female billionaire, which was a phenomenal achievement, and nobody could take that away from her. But the, the, so she had reached the pinnacle of success like, not only a billionaire, the first woman a billionaire, she had Martha Stewart Omnimedia. It was radio, it was TV, she was publishing books, she was publishing magazines, she was loaded.
0: So there you have it, that's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.